This is a WKYT podcast. Good morning and welcome to Kentucky Newsmakers. I'm Bill Bryant. Later, Kentucky's Agriculture Commissioner Ryan Quarles joins us. He'll talk about the impact of COVID-19 on our food supply and our farmers. But first, in this unusual election year, Kentucky's being watched around the country for its U.S. Senate contest. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is going for a seventh six-year term in Washington. Democrat Amy McGrath is raising money fast and is already focused on McConnell, even though both of them first need to clear their party primaries in June. McGrath is a retired fighter pilot who narrowly lost a race for the U.S. House in Central Kentucky in 2018. Amy McGrath joining us on Kentucky Newsmakers. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate it very much and welcome. Uh, these are odd times. Obviously, the pandemic has changed so much about American life. Uh, we have 30 million Americans who filed for jobless benefits. Uh, how much has this situation altered your U.S. Senate race? Well, right now, Bill, uh, my campaign is focused on helping our fellow Kentuckians. And I think, you know, that's what we all want uh, to do during this pandemic is help each other. And that's who we are as Kentuckians. So we have uh, started a, a program called Commonwealth Common Health to uh, help Kentuckians in need. We're raising money for food banks around the state. We've raised over $53,000 for food banks around the state. And that's, you know, that's the kind of leadership uh, Kentucky needs. We need a senator that puts Kentucky first. And, uh, you know, I think that's what this campaign is, is really all about. Uh, and even in this time of pandemic, we're, we're taking a step back and we're helping each other first. And we're still focused on the race, of course. But, um, you know, this is, this is a time of national crisis. So we've got to keep that in mind. Going into this weekend, we got word that Kentucky may face a $500 million budget shortfall uh, within the state. Uh, Senator McConnell pushed through a rescue bill that pours uh, about $1.7 in for Kentucky COVID-19 relief. Now the states and the local governments are pushing Washington uh, to do more to help them with their budgets. As you know, Senator McConnell has concerns about how that money is spent. Does it go to uh, correct uh, mistakes made in the past in spending, such as pensions and so forth? Uh, how do you stand on uh, how much help should come from Washington for the states? Well, Senator McConnell was very quick to give massive amounts of billions of dollars of aid to big corporations uh, during this time of crisis. And just last week, he said that state and local governments uh, should go into bankruptcy. I mean, th that is just not where Kentuckians are at. That's not where we, we are at as a people. Uh, when you have state and local governments going into bankruptcy, you're talking about jobs for police officers, frontline uh, workers right now, educators, bus drivers. I think the focus should be on that. I think we should have more money from the federal government to the state and local uh, governments. And those are just people. Those are people out on the front lines um, helping us through this pandemic every day. And to me, it just shows you where Senator McConnell's priorities are. They're not with everyday Kentuckians. They're with the wealthiest 1%. They're with corporations. He's got a 35 year, year history of that. And, you know, 
that's where his, his priorities are. As a senator, I'm going to have the priorities of Kentucky working families first and be a voice for Kentucky working families first. As you know, the senator uh, has that long history in Washington, but he also has a history of winning elections, uh, six straight elections, sometimes after uh, trailing in the polling. Uh, what makes you think that uh, you will be able to present a successful challenge to him if both of you are the nominees uh, for this fall race? Well, Kentuckians are tired of someone who puts the interest of their political party above the interest of Kentucky and Kentucky's working families. I'm somebody who is not a lifelong politician. I was a military officer. I'm a mom. I'm somebody who brings the voice of everyday Kentuckians to Washington. And really, the focus is going to be on those firefighters, those people, the educators, education. When you have a senator from Kentucky that prioritizes things like health care. You know, these are the, this is the vision of a Kentucky in the future, and we need a new generation of leaders. So I think it's going to be a really good contrast uh, for voters, because when you look at Senator McConnell, you know, he's been around 35 years, and Kentucky has a lot of problems, and that we need work, you know, a senator that's actually going to work on those problems. And I think right now, this pandemic and everything that we're going through uh, here in Kentucky and around the country, it just shows you that we need that new generation. You know, Senator McConnell, uh, when all of these, the, the, the first coronavirus bill was being looked at, he held it up for 48 hours just so he could make sure that big pharma could gouge prices on a potential vaccine. That's, that's who he is. He is a voice for special interests and Kentuckians are tired of that. You have uh, raised a lot of money for this uh, campaign by some accounts about uh, 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 we have $13 million so far this year, probably more since that reported uh, came out. Uh, a lot of it in places uh, outside of Kentucky. To what extent is this a national race or do you see it as a purely Kentucky race? This race is about Kentucky and Kentuckians. Uh, there are people in Kentucky that are donating and contributing to this campaign. Within the first couple of months of my campaign, we had contributions from all 120 counties. And I think it's also important to note that uh, Senator McConnell gets the vast majority of his campaign money from special interest groups, from the wealthiest 1%. And that, you know, that is who he represents at the end of the day. People are tired of that. This campaign is about Kentucky. It's about getting a leader who's going to put Kentucky first, above the special interests, uh, above wealthy donors, and do what's right for our state. And that means supporting things like getting people more health care and more affordable health care, bringing down prescription drug prices that you know are so high. Kentucky has the second highest per capita spending on prescription drugs in the country. And we have a senator and Senator McConnell who has no interest in getting those prices down. And these are some of the things that President Trump even talked about uh, doing. And folks are really ready for a senator who's going to put uh, the left, the right, red, blue, all of that aside and do what's right for Kentucky. You know, they're tired of somebody who's just going to work for somebody who's on their political party and on their side. That's not who I am. 
I'll work with anyone, regardless of whether they have a red jersey or a blue jersey, to do what's right for Kentucky families. You know, he has said that uh, he got both sides together to get this uh, rescue package through Congress and makes a point of that. In fact, the latest ad that uh, he says is that you are criticizing the bill and that it had Republican and Democratic support. Uh, uh, what do you say to that? Has he been bipartisan in this uh, approach to this uh, national emergency? Well, let's not forget uh, the, the first bill he held up for 48 hours to gouge prices on a potential vaccine. Uh, the second bill, uh, he decided to come home to Kentucky uh, and, and basically have a long weekend when we really needed to get testing out and we needed to get people to stay home. He decided it wasn't a priority. The third bill, his first attempt at it, was so bad that the president basically had to go around him and negotiate directly with uh, you know, the House and uh, the Democrats in the Senate to, to create that bill. And in addition, uh, Mitch McConnell's priorities, even in the bill that passed, were tax breaks for you know, people that make over a million dollars. Here during this coronavirus pandemic, I think, again, we need to prioritize regular people. They're the ones that need, are needing help right now, not the people with huge stock portfolios and, and people that are already making over a million dollars. And it just kind of shows you who he is. Lieutenant Colonel, you have to uh, first clear the Democratic primary. There are uh, several candidates there. Are you comfortable with the expanded uh, absentee voting that is going to be done uh, during the primary during this COVID-19 pandemic? And how will it alter the way that uh, you're able to campaign for that election and maybe in the fall? Well, we're living through unprecedented times. And I think uh, Kentucky is going to do the right thing and hopefully allow as many people to vote as possible. Look, I, I was in the military for 24 years. I voted by mail that entire time. We can do this. States can do this. We need to figure it out, come up with a plan. It's too important. Our democracy is too important. Everybody's voice should be heard. And Kentucky needs to make a really good effort to make sure that everybody's voice is heard. And one of the things that I'm going to be doing in my campaign, uh, Bill, is making sure that Kentuckians know how to vote uh, in, in terms of getting their ballots, a lot of voter education, because it is so important for our democracy, um, certainly in the primary and definitely in the general election as we get into the fall. We need to make sure everybody uh, who has a voice here in Kentucky, that their voice is heard. Is it an awkward time to campaign quickly? <laughs> well, you know what? My military background is uh, we adapt, we improvise, and we overcome. And uh, in this time of pandemic, we're talking to voters virtually. Uh, I'm getting out virtually as much as I can, listening as much as I can, doing uh, town halls and, and meetings as much as I can. And, and that's, that's the world we're living in right now. And we're going to overcome. We're going to still get our message out there. And uh, we're going to continue on with this campaign because it's too important. Amy McGrath, Democratic U.S. Senate candidate, thank you for being with us. And we'll uh, talk to you along the way. Appreciate it. We're coming back in just a moment on WKYT with Agriculture Commissioner Ryan Quarles. 
Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. The COVID-19 pandemic has touched about every part of life around the world and certainly here in Kentucky. And now there are some serious questions and concerns about the food supply chain, even some potential shortages. And how will agriculture emerge from the dire economic downturn that has closed so many businesses and hampered other operations? Kentucky Agriculture Commissioner Ryan Quarles joins me for a talk about that. Thank you very much for being with us, sir. Uh, you know, nobody uh, could have imagined. Thank you for having me, Bill, even though we're more than six feet apart. Exactly. Quite a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> nobody could have imagined a, a time like this. Uh, you know, how is agriculture, let's talk first of all, you know, worldwide, nationwide, and then we'll get down to Kentucky. How is agriculture impacted by COVID-19 and the economic fallout? Well, agriculture is very concerned, just like other industries, about the effects of COVID-19. One thing that makes agriculture unique, though, is that unlike factories, agriculture can't stop for a global pandemic. Our schedule revolves around the seasons, and right now we're in planting season. And so one of the first things that we did after the pandemic started was make sure that we had clarification that agriculture is a critical infrastructure a critical industry and it needs to stay open for business and so one of the first things we did was petition both the federal and state governments to make sure that agriculture stays open for business despite the executive orders as long as they follow cdc guidelines one thing you can't avoid is that people need to eat we need to feed our nation and the kentucky farmers are going to rise to this occasion and get us through this global pandemic and if you look at the course of history whether it be war, conflict, or other pandemics, oftentimes famine, a famine also uh, complicates the issue. But I am convinced that we will not have to face that during COVID-19, that we're, this is hopefully just a medical healthcare issue and not a famine issue as well. So we're going to grow our way out of this problem. And yet, Commissioner, we do uh, see reports of uh, crops rotting in fields, potatoes being given away in Idaho, milk being poured out around the uh, country, and concerns at these meat processing plants. Uh, what is uh, driving your concerns right now as far as the nationwide food supply chain and uh, here in Kentucky? The United States has the safest, most abundant food supply system in the world. It's very complex and it often revolves around food supply chains. We are seeing stress on the food supply chain that we really haven't experienced since World War II. And what's causing this? Well, disruptions in the supply chain. Number one, we have consumers that are used to going to restaurants that are now buying primarily most of their goods at grocery stores. We have also seen a shutdown of our schools where most of our milk a big milk market used to exist that doesn't exist quite the same way at this point. And so we're seeing a shock through the system. And perhaps the biggest issue facing agriculture nationally right now is the temporary shutdown of meat processing facilities. And these meat processing facilities oftentimes are very large and even a short-term shutdown can have a ripple effect across Kentucky. And it does it in two different ways. Number one, whenever one of these uh, large plants shut down, maybe because an employee or group of employees test positive for COVID, it automatically decreases the value of livestock at the farm gate. Here in Kentucky, our cattle producers have lost 30 to 40% the value of their cattle. Hogs, the same range, 30 to 40%. Uh, chicken, uh, fortunately, we're still on board with making sure our chicken contracts are met. 
but it causes economic loss at the farm level. Then secondly, at the retail level, oftentimes at the grocery store, with these plants shutting down, there's often a short-term supply stocking issue. And we may, you may remember about six weeks ago, a lot of Kentuckians went to the grocery store to stock up, and for the first time in their lives, they may not have seen a fully stocked grocery store shelf. And that's something that, for many of us, we've never experienced before. But I want to reassure Kentuckians that there's plenty of food. It's just that we may have some short-term stocking issues in the near future. Do you have any concerns about any Kentucky meat processing plants uh, right now as far as them having challenges here in the Commonwealth? I do have concerns for any food processing plants here in Kentucky. We have just shy of 30 USDA meat processing plants that are inspected by USDA, all of which uh, have their own uh, COVID-19 policies that encourage social distancing, that also try to slow down the rate of processing. Uh, we've also have tried to work with the employee unions as well to make sure that PPE and testing are available. But here in Kentucky, we've had had a couple of our plants shut down temporarily uh, to not only give their employees the ability uh, to have a little bit of rest, but also identify folks that may have been exposed to someone that has tested positive for COVID-19. But another thing you need to keep in mind is that these meat processing facilities are very clean facilities. They're, they're clean daily. Uh, and secondly, a lot of these meat processing facilities were designed where workers uh, literally stand shoulder to shoulder while they're processing food. And of course, that's something that we have to rethink in the uh, new COVID world. I wanna compliment our meat processing facilities. They've been extremely proactive when it comes to developing uh, systems where they create more space between workers, uh, that more PPE than ever is going there. Uh, even some of them have plexiglass between workstations. And so they're doing their best. And I also wanna say that it's a very important um, time in agriculture right now where we have to balance employee safety, which should always come first, with also the need to feed our nation and keeping these industries open. Commissioner, the farmers markets uh, have remained open and uh, you saw to it that they were uh, deemed to be essential. They have had to make uh, certainly some changes and uh, in some cases they're just figuring out the process of how they're exactly going to get uh, reopened and back in service. But in some cases uh, they're offering uh, takeout options as well. I know that is something that uh, uh, the agriculture department has been pushing. Yeah. From day one, we have fought to keep our farmers markets open. We believe that this is really uh, no different than a grocery store. It's just a different way of buying and you're helping support local agriculture. And so my office immediately developed guidelines to keep our farmers markets open for those communities that still wanna have them. For example, uh, we've encouraged our farmers markets to spread out over larger parking lots. If there's a large parking lot available, not be crammed in maybe uh, a congregate area where they used to be. We've also encouraged our farmers to use uh, technology such as Facebook, uh, their websites to help coordinate pickup locations. That way customers can come in and come out. We have also developed a virtual CSA, which is a community supported agriculture uh, network where Kentuckians can sign up to have food delivered to their houses or uh, a weekly pickup at a drop point so that they can support local farmers. And if any Kentuckian wants to help support a farmer's market or a CSA, uh, they can go to our website at kyproud.com. And hey, look, Bill, a lot of us are spending a little bit more time at home learning how to cook again. And there's no better way to buy 
uh, Kentucky Proud than right now going through our website at kyproud.com. Let's support local agriculture, especially during these trying times. Commissioner, I know early on and throughout your term you have emphasized uh, uh, food banks and getting that uh, unused food uh, to people. You know, at any given time, uh, what, 40% or so of uh, food is wasted in our country, and you have uh, been uh, uh, active in trying to, to get that uh, to people and, uh, and to get it on their tables. But during a time like this, when people are concerned about their rent money and where their next meal is coming from, uh, how has the Department of Agriculture uh, stepped up its efforts more? Well, when we started the Kentucky Hunger Initiative in 2016, we never knew that the, that the groundwork that we laid years ago would be critical during a global pandemic. And so when I started the Hunger Initiative, we wanted to make sure that we had an easy way to connect Kentucky farmers with our food banks to help out those Kentuckians in need. And right now we're seeing a surge across Kentucky and our nation of Americans uh, relying on food banks to put food on their table. And we hope that obviously we can get out of this quicker uh, than, uh, rather than later. However, right now, we are using our food banks to get food that would otherwise rot in the field that may not have a market, food that may have gone to a restaurant customer for a restaurant that now is closed, get that food into our food banks and distribute it to those in need. And we just had a historic, the largest donation ever, a half million dollars was donated by Kentucky Farm Bureau to our uh, food banks and other anti-hunger organizations. And that money uh, has already been used to buy food from Kentucky farmers, including uh, over 3,000 pounds of Kentucky Proud beef has been purchased. So that's money that's supporting Kentucky farmers, that's going to the hands of those in need right now, uh, thanks to the generosity of Kentucky Farm Bureau and others right now. So we're trying to connect our farm community with our food banks and also those in need. So it's a win-win-win situation. It has been interesting to see how uh, some of our industries have shifted uh, their uh, current output and their focus. And uh, some of that has been that uh, you're, you're seeing distilleries now producing a hand sanitizer. Uh, some of the uh, CBD businesses also have moved in that direction. Uh, as we come out of this, uh, do you think that uh, some of these uh, industries will be changed and that they will keep uh, potentially putting out some of these products that they have uh, shifted to so quickly? The Kentucky Department of Agriculture was on the ground floor when it came to having discussions about producing hand sanitizer, whether it be at our distilleries or even our ethanol plant out in western Kentucky. I think that one of the silver linings during the COVID-19 pandemic is that we're going to have some agriculture companies uh, transition their business models. I do think that there is a strong possibility that perhaps our ethanol plant and maybe a couple of distilleries uh, will produce hand sanitizer uh, for the long term. Uh, and this is one of those diseases that more likely we're going to have to live with. It's going to be around for a long time. And we're going to, as a society, uh, be a society that's going to need to wash our hands more, have a hand sanitizer available, especially at public events. And so I could really see uh, a collection, just like people collect uh, bourbon from around uh, the state with, from different distilleries. I think that there's already some, some bourbon hand sanitizer collections going on uh, right now. I think another silver lining with COVID-19 is a commitment to local agriculture. We hope that it's not a fad. We hope that people choose to buy local and these big shocks that we've seen to our supply chains, uh, they can be solved if you buy local from a Kentucky farmer. And that's something that we hope is, uh, that is around to stay. And the last thing 
that I hope would be a positive outcome from COVID is an investment in rural broadband internet. You know, a lot of Kentucky school children are learning at home. It's important that, we're have, that we have connectivity, uh, whether you're in downtown Louisville or Lexington or out in rural Kentucky, that we deserve to have a broadband network that connects every Kentuckian, uh, whether it's for school, work, or farming. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, what kind of evolution we have out of this uh, based on what has uh, happened uh, by necessity and then uh, maybe some of the things will be able to uh, to uh, go forward and be useful. Uh, let's uh, just quickly as uh, we wrap things up, uh, State Fair uh, is always a big event uh, for Kentucky agriculture. That is set for August at this point. Uh, do you have any idea of uh, how that might look or adjustments you might have to make? At this point, we are not prepared to make a decision about the Kentucky State Fair, which is usually uh, is one of the signature events, not just for agriculture, but for Kentucky. And so my office is preparing for a, different, for a couple different scenarios here. We're preparing for a full-blown state fair. We're preparing for a uh, diet state fair or, or state fair light that may be a little bit different, that may have a lot of social distancing involved, uh, et cetera. And we're also preparing for, hopefully, is the unlikely event of cancellation. And we're already dealing with this with county fairs. We have over 90 county fairs in mm -hmm. Kentucky, and so we're issuing guidance right now about what those counties can include in their own plan about whether or not to move forward with a county fair. The answer is this. At this point, at the end of April, early, early May, we simply don't know what the summer is going to look like. Uh, however, I'm really encouraged at the guidance that we're producing in the Kentucky Department of Ag, such, such as for our farmers markets, could be used uh, by the governor's office, perhaps, for guidelines to open up businesses here in Kentucky. Because we think we got it right while using CDC guidelines, but also common sense while keeping businesses open for business. Kentucky Agriculture Commissioner Ryan Corals, thank you very much for being with us. We really do appreciate it. And we hope you'll stay with us now on Kentucky Newsmakers, and we'll be right back with much more. And welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. So how are Kentucky universities and colleges planning to move forward in the fall and to pay their bills in the meantime? Moorhead State University President Dr. Jay Morgan is one of our scheduled guests for next weekend's Kentucky Newsmakers. And that's Kentucky Newsmakers for now. We thank you so much for being with us. We'll see you this week on WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant, hoping you make it a good week ahead.